Welcome to the Breaking Through with Apollo podcast, hosted by Greg and Thomas Beckers. We're here to give you an inside look on the entertainment industry through the lens of an actor and a manager, and we're here to help you break through in your own career. All right, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Through with Apollo. Got a great guest on today. We have Zach, formerly an agent, now a manager at E85 Artist Management. Thanks for coming on the show, Zach. Hi, thanks for having me. It's nice to do something during the quarantine. Yeah, you feel the same way. Have you been going crazy during this time or what's been going on? Um, I think I've been driving my partner more crazy than I've been going crazy. Like I've just picked up so many hobbies that like I'm kind of half-assing. I'm yeah. trying to like master it, but like I've picked up knitting. And knitting. it's not, yeah, it, because at heart I'm an octogenarian woman which is great. <laughs> and um, it's, it's going okay. It's not going great, but it's going okay. Are some of those ties behind you one of some of your works? Oh, no. Those bow ties are all purchased. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I wish I could make a bow tie, but not yet. Not yet. I feel, I feel like everyone's been picking up a lot of new hobbies. I can't tell you how many um, banana breads I've seen on Instagram. Junk. <laughs> I have a very like strong opinion on all the like new bakers and everything because I've I've been baking for a while. So like when all this first started going to the grocery store and like, oh, now there's no yeast. I've been able to get yeast for ages, but now there's all these run of the mill bakers. It's driving me insane. What was trendy to do it? These amateur bakers are getting into the scene. These amateur bakers, like (laughs) I'm talking like I own a bakery or something. So tell us a little bit about like how you got into the business, how, um, cause from all accounts, what I heard, you're a real hustler. Like you really work hard from, from what I've heard. And so, and we, and we met you. me and Zach, we met almost three, four years, maybe even four years it ago. Been it might've been like four years ago. It, so I remember you, you were close to the start there as well. I think, mm-hmm. I think when I met you, I, I think you were either moving up or you were just, you were still assisting at that point. I was, I had, when we had met, I had just been promoted to the head assistant at the company. Gotcha. And yeah. then within a year of that position, I was then promoted to a full agent. Gotcha. Um, okay. And I was, I've been a full talent agent for roughly two years um, gotcha. before well, going into management. Um, well, but yeah, I know, I know everyone's always curious, like, especially jobs in entertainment, especially an agent, like how do you get into that? How do you get started? How, like what, what, why? So, why? yeah. So it's, um, let me take you back a few years. Picture it, uh, Ohio, 2011. <laughs> um, I just graduated college. No, not college, graduated high school. I'm making myself seem older than I am. Um, but I just graduated high school in the middle of, nowhere ohio and i decided to go to college at ohio university which has an amazing communications media program and i went in knowing i wanted to do something in entertainment but not any clue what i'm awful to have on set like 100 like i went in initially to go into art direction and i would do all these like student films and everything and i would just be wandering in the background of shots like talking when everyone was like please shut up oh yeah no <laughs> there was one incidence where 
during a short film, they had to make me an extra just so they knew where I was and I would sit down and have to shut up. They would say cut and then they'd have me fix the scene and they'd put me back in that diner booth. Like, do not move. So I kind of knew like being on set wasn't for me, which, you know, you're in college, you just dedicated four years of your life to learning about a certain industry. And I'm like, well, crap, I'm not good at this. And it was my freshman year. I was having like, you know, the existential crisis you always have, like when you first get into college and like things aren't clicking. And I was watching an episode of my favorite sitcom of all time, which was Frasier. Oh, Frasier. Love Frasier. Um, as much as I don't agree with Kelsey Grammer's like political views, I think he's an, a phenomenal actor. <laughs> and yeah. um, But it's an episode where he's trying to fire his agent, who played by phenomenal character actress, um, Tony Winner, and I just love her to death. And she's going on this huge dramatic rant about how she does everything to make her clients' dreams come true. And there's like the implication she's killed like a casting director to get a client a role. And like, of course, it's dramatic and over the top and hilarious. But I'm sitting there in my dorm at the time, just going like, I want to do that. My favorite part of the industry is actors. I want to help them like achieve their goals. I think that'd be great. So. I immediately went to my advisor, told him my epiphany, and thank God for him. He's a wonderful professor. He's my mentor still to this day. But he and I devised a course of where I took all these business classes as well as media classes. And then I also took acting lessons as well to see what to look for in actors and kind of like form this kind of skeleton representation course because there really isn't any. No. Yeah. When people think of agents and managers, I like to think there's the awful stereotype of what Hollywood has kind of put forth with them. Like, like they are very well, Ari Gold like Ari Gold and Entourage. Yes. Like Ent I this might be sacrilege. I hate Entourage. I hate it so much. Because I know, like, I'm going to probably have death threats after saying that. But <laughs> I think it's an awful stereotype that in almost every piece of film or television about the industry, the agent is always depicted as this horrible, like, egotistical maniac who's just like, money, 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 money. This is all I want, money. And, like, I don't have that vibe in me. I truly care about the actors and everything. So I wanted to come to Hollywood because I interned my senior year in college out in Hollywood. And I wanted to kind of change that view that people had on representation because all the reps I've met, okay, the majority of reps I've met have been wonderful, human, just like so like, they want to know how you're doing. They care so much. And I just think that it's wrong that actors are afraid to talk to their reps sometime. So that yeah. was, I'm kind of like going off on my own tangent, but like, that's why I got into this industry. So actors can feel comfortable with their reps. Even if it's just like one rep at a time, if like down the line, I inspire someone else to be that way. Or I show actors, don't be afraid. Talk to your rep. Because 
success comes from the communication between the two of you. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about that. I like that you brought that up because I think it's an interesting point. Um, I'm good at segues. <laughs> yeah, you're just, you're just leading this interview for me and making this a lot easier. <laughs> um, no, but what you're saying is true. There's a lot of actors that are really scared to talk to their reps and they're like, oh, you know, I don't want to bother them. I don't want to be a nuisance. And some of them feel like, oh, if I'm too much of a, like if I talk too much, they're just going to drop me because I'm too much of a headache. Like there's a lot of fear in that, in that sense. So talk to us a little bit like why, like what type of communication is kind of communication that you're looking for or is it just like just hey what's up you know like what type of what are you looking for i believe in talking just keep it casual talk as a human don't the moment you start putting your rep on this untouchable pedestal like and starting to be afraid of them your self-confidence just starts to go and as an actor if you start to lose your self-confidence that's going to just start this downward spiral. Like, because this industry is so many no's daily. You hear no, 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 no. And if you're already going into talking to your rep, who is on your team, who wants to succeed with you, if you're going in there hesitant, just afraid of pissing them off, nine times out of 10, that sort of attitude irritates the rep because I don't know how many times I can personally say I'm on your team I want to succeed with you I want to help you and if you're still this timid little mouse who's afraid of what I'm going to say that almost hurts the relationship it stops the communication and I'll say this a million times over and over communication is key with your reps but like, and what, what are some things like you've had a lot of relationships at this point with a lot of your actors and I know you're very personal, which is something that I, I really like about you. Um, what kind of, I guess, what are the, what are the conversations like? What are they communicating? Is it just like, Hey, I got some new headshots or is it like, Hey, how's your day going? Like what, what kind of conversations are these? With my clients, I love the like, Hey, how's your day going? Mm-hmm. I love it because you know what? I get to know the things about you that you wouldn't just spout off in a business meeting. Mm -hmm. And I think to really successfully rep your clients, you need to know their small intricacies. Like when I would have meetings with potential clients and everything, I would of course ask what's what's your goal? Where do you want to be? But I'm also like asking like, what, what are your hobbies? Like what are things like, that really like make you happy inside that you love doing or like that you're driven to do. And I always like to know favorite movies, favorite TV shows, and the reasons why you are out here. Mm-hmm. Like, what are your personal goals? I want your personal one, not your professional goals. But that, that's me. I know there are some of my colleagues who are very different than that. Mm-hmm. And that's important, I think, to bring up as well as your reps are all different people yeah you need to make sure you have that connection with them and that you read the room that's one of the most important things you can do with your rep is just read the room and i think that goes with casting as well yeah 100 percent. yeah and i you know to kind of backtrack a little more about how you got into this um so to walk us through like when you actually got to la and you got like how did you get your first job 
what exactly happened because I'm not going to let you off the hook on the origin story. No, oh, thank you. It's a, it's a beautiful origin story. So my first time coming to LA, I was still on a school internship program through Ohio University. And I actually drove out across the US with nine of my classmates. We just caravanned and we took like six days and we like camped in Oklahoma. We did Route 66. We stayed in Vegas one night. I don't remember a lot of that night. Um, but, so you all <laughs> in LA entertainment and everything too? You kind of all, all just drove yeah, out there? we were all in the same program together. So we already had like that camaraderie coming out here. Because yeah. if you're coming out here by yourself, it's hard. Like not knowing anyone. So I'm very lucky that my school instituted this program. And we we're the first program that did this for Ohio mm-hmm. University. And it, because of the successes we had, it's still going to this day. And I'm actually still a part of it. I teach uh-huh. some like seminars with it. And I act as kind of like a big sibling to a lot of them. Nice. Um, but anywho, so initially landing in LA, my first thoughts, of course, were this traffic is horrendous. Oh my God, I'm going to die on the 101. Um, because I'm from the middle of nowhere, Ohio, <laughs> where there's parking everywhere. There's none of these street signs. And I remember pulling into where I was staying, and it was the Oakwood Apartments, like right by Universal in Toluca Lake, Burbank area. And I swear I almost caused like a three car pile up, like making a left hand turn, like when I thought I had time and I didn't expect people to just keep barreling in. Um, <laughs> but it was hot. Um, I was flustered because of the traffic. I'd just driven from Vegas to LA. And what year was this? 2011, 2012? This was 2014. Okay. Because I was yeah. a senior in college. And I had already, I had an internship set up at a management company. And I was worried and nervous about that. And even when I was there, even after all of that frustration, I was happy to be here. Because like, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to achieve the goal of like coming out here and trying. And that's what I did. That whole internship, I was trying, I was learning. I was learning what to do. I was also learning what not to do. And then unfortunately, I had to go back and finish my degree for a semester back in Ohio. So I had to like put everything on pause here and go back there. That sucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Relationships, getting momentum, and then you just have to kind of stop it all. Uh Uh-huh. I had to stop it all. And I was very, I was very lucky because at the agency I worked at for so many years, there was an alumni from our college there. And during my internship out here, she kind of had me come up to the office. She knew what I wanted to do and everything. And she said to me, when you graduate, let me know. And we'll, I'll see what I can do to help you. Me, you know, like, I'm like, okay, that's very nice of you, but I don't believe that's going to happen because I'm very realistic sometimes. And lo and behold, three days before graduating college, about four months later, she calls me and says, hey, I'm 
looking for an assistant. Would you like to apply for the job? And I was like, is, is someone actually followed through with what they were going to do? And immediately, right then and there, it was like 10 o'clock <laughs> the day before I'm graduating, or two, a day or three days before. And I'm like, yes, I'll, I'll interview. I'll do everything. Wonderful. As soon as I hung up, I had this oh shit moment because I had just accepted a job in Disney World down in Florida which I would have to immediately turn down and probably never work for the mouse again because they have my records and everything. <laughs> and dr find an apartment, find a roommate, drive out again across the U.S., furnish an apartment, interview for a job. And I'm like, I can do this. I'm going to do it. Let's just do it. So drove out again with um, another alumni of my program, and he and I lived together for three years, actually. Mm -hmm. um, got an apartment. I interviewed. I did a second interview at the agency. And usually when you are hitting that momentum, something happens. And I wasn't hired for the job at the agency f until four months after I did my second interview. Oh, wow. wow. Why so long? Um, there were clerical issues. I'm really not sure at the moment because I kind of just like checked out. I was like, you know what? I took a risk. Let's see if I can still roll with it. But within yeah. those four months, it kind of gets to you when you have no job, you're just burning through your savings out in LA. Yeah. And like, I kind of felt like I was just wandering the streets, having like an existential crisis again. Like, did I do the right thing? Oh my God, what did I do? Was family like worried? Were like, what are you doing out there? Oh yeah. I mean, I came from the Midwest, a family that like never really expanded yeah. from it's like plot of land. Already probably for them. Yeah. So they were worried. And you know what? I will say my parents are extremely supportive. They were very much like, they're like, whatever you need help with, we'll help you as much as we can. And me being the stubborn person I am, I would, I never asked for help. I'm like, nope, I'm fine. I'm doing well. While I'm just out here like, oh my God, I'm going to fail. I'm going to be homeless. Looking around like, what are you going to do? Oh yeah. <laughs> Like I applied for jobs at Target. I was overqualified. I applied for Starbucks. I was underqualified. And I think that's just because I don't drink caffeine. And I said that in the middle of the interview. And they just were like, yeah, I kind of, that was my own fault. Don't do that. If you're looking for a job at Starbucks. I hate, I hate caffeine, but yeah, I want the job. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, it's great. I'm not going to be drinking the product, but so literally four months later my dad being a wonderful human being he is he came out to like you know like spend time with me like and just like see how I was doing and as I was driving to LAX to pick him up I got an email from the agency saying that they were hiring me oh so what was going to be a weekend of him cheering me up turned into a weekend of like us just celebrating, having a good time. I took my straight dad to West Hollywood and that opened his eyes on my culture a bit. 
West Hollywood can be eye-opening, you know? I mean, we, we live oh here. I know. We live in Hollywood, yeah. I remember my first time going to the Abbey in <laughs> Rio, and I just, again, I was like this corn boy coming from Ohio, like, used to meeting up guys behind a barn, and then I walk in, and it's like a coliseum of just, like, dancing and twerking and half-naked men, and I'm just like, did I die and go to heaven? Like, this is interesting. <laughs> and then, like, the longer you stay here, the more jaded you get about West Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if I see one more G-string, I'm going to shoot myself. Like, I can't yeah. do it anymore. <laughs> Where do you live right now? I live in a lovely little area in Toluca Lake. Uh, um, nice. With a bunch of like little houses and a bunch of little old people, and I'm like, I love this. This is great. <laughs> it's quiet. Part of West Hollywood here. Yeah. Oh, you're in the heart, like. Yeah, like we're like two, three streets away from all the clubs and everything like that. I love West Hollywood. I love living here. We've been here like oh, seven years. Don't get me wrong. I love like going there on occasion. However, yeah. I could not live out there. Yeah, we're, well, I mean, we're in the heart, but we're not right in the madness. You know, we're not right where all the bars and clubs are because th that it gets three pretty crazy three. there in the weekend. Like three, four. So oh, we're a couple streets over, so like it's still really calm it's in our right, street. But yeah, our, our street's like super, super calm. And right I imagine up. during like right now, it's very quiet and calm. Yeah, the whole LA is super calm, super yeah. nice to drive without traffic and everything. But um, yeah. but so you started at the at the agency. Mm -hmm. What was the learning curve like? Like, was it a lot thrown at you? Was it crazy? Oh, yeah. And I, they always say, like, when I was taking my classes and everything out here in LA, and I was meeting with different people, they say, no matter what job you want, you should always start an agency because it kind of sets the bar on how fast the industry moves. Mm -hmm. And I do agree with that. However, I also am not a fan of that philosophy. Because there are people who want to become agents and managers. And it's hard. It was hard for me to break into that pool, kind of, because there were so many other people. We were all at the same skill level, just vying for those jobs, like trying to get in the mail rooms, trying to get just internships and everything. And like when I go to intern at other places, because I I did that while I was waiting the four months. I still took interviews and everything. Mm -hmm. I would like talk to the people around me and I'm like, well, are you interested in being an agent? They're like, Oh no, I want to be a cinematographer. And then like the guy next to him wanted to be like, wanted to do crafty on set. And like, they would wanted to be a director. And I'm like, am I the only one here who actually wants to be in representation? Yeah, that's true. That, that happens a lot. That people yeah. use that as a point basically. Yeah. So it's a little like, it's a bit frustrating, but I understand the thought process of telling people like that is where you should start because I will admit I knew a few big players, but that first year working for the agency, I learned everyone and everything like down to assistance, down to who produced what, what year, um, like Bob Iger's whole history, like Jeffrey Katz, you just learn everything about, and you know, like, who's a fan of who and who you should not put together on the same call and who you just want to stay away from and who you really need to schmooze. Just like you become like the spider web of information, mm. which is extremely beneficial to anyone. It's like being a Rosetta stone for the industry.
Yeah, that makes sense. Well, run, run us through run us through a little bit like about that. Like, what on a day to day basis does does that look like when you were an agent? Obviously, you're a manager now, yeah. but when you were an agent, what was kind of your day to day? So when I was an agent, my day to day was starting as soon as casting started, and which is, which is you know nine thirty ten. Yeah. No, it's it's a little bit later in the morning, and you know from like one to two everyone takes lunch. It's like, how dare you call anyone between one and two? Um, And then I would say when casting has its sessions, starting from like 10 to four, it's a pretty like almost quiet day where you're prepping pitches, you're sending off emails, you're handling your clients. This is as an agent. And I was at an agency where we focused on outgoing calls, not incoming calls. Um, but like around five, five thirty, when you know I had like two hours left in the office, that's when casting would pick up and start sending out their appointments and everything because they just ended session. So yeah. you had a very heavy morning where you're going through the breakdown and seeing what casting released, pitching on that up until about lunch. And then from lunch to five, it's kind of like, that's your time to like focus on your pitches, on your clients, get them prepped and ready. And then the appointments start rolling in after five. And don't, and sometimes with some casting directors don't stop until like 11 p.m. That's true. You sometimes, we still, still sometimes get auditions at like 10, 30, 11 p.m., which is kind of crazy. Yeah, which I, I am fine if you get a late night appointment. However, I think it's, sometimes a little detrimental to the actor and everyone involved when it's a 10 o'clock appointment sent out to you and it's for like 9 a.m the next morning yeah that's yeah. tough i mean it's that's just like those same day things sometimes where it's like yeah. hey, let's get this done it's like that's 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 tough which i understand like that happening once in a while but when yeah. there are some offices that that's like they're modus operandi like that's how they operate that's very frustrating to cover as an agent because you need to get all of the info and then get it to your client and make sure your client's prepped because if your client goes in unprepped it's hard to keep a positive relationship going with that casting director yeah because they don't want you to they don't have time to see people they think aren't going to hit the mark yeah. And if you go in as an actor and you're unprepared, you almost blow your chances with that casting director. Because yeah, that's, that's very true. That's why it's, it's, it can it can hurt you so much if you're not well prepared. Yeah, especially if you don't have a relationship with if that actor hasn't been in for that casting office much. Well, maybe oh that's yeah, time that's just like oof, that's rough. That's a oh, bad person. I had an incident once where. I had an actor who did a phenomenal self-tape. Casting director loved it. They called the actor in for an in-the-room meeting, and they bombed the the in-the-room meeting. So I got a rather stern talking to from the casting director. And as a rep, it's almost kind of hard because I don't know what happened to the actor during that time. If they did a cast a self tape so well and they went in the room, 
and bombed it. That's material. What was that? Same material. Same material. Nothing new. It's almost like I have to go figure out with the actor what triggered or what happened that day and try to save that relationship because it's hard to recover from that sometimes. Yeah, that's, that's true. I could, I could see how that would happen. So how did you end up saving it? The relationship kind of. <laughs> Listen, I'm not a miracle worker as much <laughs> as I wish at times I was Annie Sullivan. Like I, I can't, I can't fix sometimes. Yeah. What a bridge that is too far burnt. Yeah. Um, and within my time still repping that actor, I, I don't think, I might be wrong, but I don't think I ever got them another self-tape for that office. Wow. Yeah. High-stakes game. It's a high-stakes game. And I will also say this actor is fairly young. So yeah. to already burn that bridge so young in your career, it's... That's especially because they're young. I remember when I first came to LA, I was like maybe 25 or something like that, relatively young. and. Um, I got a bunch of additions very early on, got repped very, this was before Greg started his management company. So I had all team reps really quickly, but auditioning for film and TV particularly is a lot different than doing things on stage or even doing a, a full length feature or anything like that. Like auditioning film and TV, like you got to know the eyelines, you got to like, you got to create the environment as the actor. Cause you really are just sitting there in an office with nothing there. There's a whole technique to it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any of that. And like also how to play a co-star versus a guest star versus a series reg, co-stars to move the story along. I didn't know any of that. So I was always trying to make everything interesting, even if it was a co-star. Yeah. I remember I got a lot of really great additions back then, but I definitely bombed a couple just because I just didn't have the technique or the know-how how to analyze a script properly for that for a show and no genres and all that. And I was very, in hindsight, green. And to this day, some of them still have never called me back. And I've been in like most everybody in town now. But those couple that I remember bombing, I was like, I remember feeling like sick to my stomach after. It, and yeah, yeah. they called back in. It's very hard because casting directors are all brilliant. They yeah. are all so good at what they do. And I would dare say that casting directors are almost more intimidating than a studio executive, hands down. Um, I would rather I would rather call Bob Iger himself than a casting office sometimes. Really? <laughs> Just no, I shouldn't say that because it makes me sound like a horrible rep. But like in, in my head, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I you get yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, and look, I get yeah. it. Like it depends. It depends on the office. Like there, like all, there's casting directors that are just super friendly. Yeah. And super nice, but there are some that are just so short and terse. Yeah. Just like, fuck. And the, the thing is, I, I understand why they're so short and no, sometimes so but, but, blunt. It's just like, sometimes I try to like put myself in like casting position. I'm like, if I just put out a pilot and I have every rep within LA County calling me, I guarantee I'd lose my cherub-like demeanor sometimes. <laughs> I mean, we've had we've had so many of them on now. Like we've had so many casting directors on this podcast now that we've like heard their inside kind of story there, and and just the amount of emails that they get every day. Oh my! I, I, I think my like even after a hundred, 
even after 50, I think my patience would get so low that I just would answer short messages because, you know, I wouldn't try to be extra polite anymore. I don't want to waste extra typing. It's just like, boom, 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 done, 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 yeah. done. Let's over. Yeah. yeah. They have, I think, the hardest job out here because they are literally finding the face of the medium. They are finding the actor. <laughs> a lot of pressure on them, a lot of long hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's funny because a lot of things, like when we talked about same-day auditions and actors sometimes also get frustrated with stuff like that over a very short turnaround. They're like, oh, why is that so short? Or can we get longer? But it's not always, it's a lot of times not up to them. It's like they got yeah. it from higher up or the producer, whatever, from yeah. the show. And they're like, hey, we need this done by then. They get short notice. So they're just working under the gun too. It's not like, and that, and that we've heard that now from all the cast directors. They want actors to do well. Yeah, they're but it's. Right. Yeah, a lot of yeah. them are champions of actors. They are, but it's like, they're just working what they get too. You know what I mean? And I think actors sometimes forget that. Yeah. And that's just, I like to also sometimes like point out to some of my actors because they'll call and they get frustrated and they're like, well, why is this happening? Why can't we get a straight answer? And I like to say the entertainment industry sometimes is just a big game of telephone. Mm -hmm. Like it's literally you hear someone say one thing and it is passed down the line between so many people. And by the time it gets to you at the end, it has been mistranslated so many times. Someone has put their own thoughts into it from the original content that right. you just have to do your best as an actor. Be adaptable and move with it and go with it. And just when you, when you hit that area where you think you you're just done and like it just kind of like shrouds you like you feel like a failure you're not you're not a failure when you hear a no from something like that there mm -hmm. are literally so many stars that have to align that you should never think that you are the reason they're not aligning there's so many things out of your control and you just yeah. don't even know what's going on behind the scenes so it's just like, you know, best you can do is just do your audition best you can and then forget about it. You know what yeah. I mean? That's the best thing. If you, and I would have to have a conversation with some of my actors sometimes, like, listen, it's been four days and we haven't heard anything from casting and I've reached out for feedback multiple times. We're not getting that feedback. We know the answer. It's... As much as we hate to acknowledge it. It's always an interesting one for me because I know like a lot of actors always ask for that. But it's just like, A, from a casting perspective, they don't really feel like they're just giving feedback all the time. You Plus know? it's time yeah. consuming. Time consuming and, and sometimes they don't even And know. not only that, but like the feedback is, the few times I've received feedback through reps, it's always like, he did a good job, but just not right for the role. Yeah. That is that is literally the answer ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, and and I just don't see the point of sometimes getting the feedback. And like the thing that, is, like, if yeah. you it's something else, then it must be because someone did a shitty, like the actor did a shitty job. Like, don't send him here anymore. That's that's really the only other thing you could probably get. I always like to view it as if you don't get feedback, that's better for when a casting director actually takes time to call you back and let you know what you did wrong. Yeah, I feel like exactly. if they're called to tell you what you did wrong, you really screwed up. Yeah. So they're not going to take the time for that. No. So yeah. so what are some criteria that you look at when taking on an actor or a new actor? Is it more credits, a, a body of work? Is it age, looks, combination of everything, I would assume, maybe? You know, I 
I've thought about this a lot and I don't like the idea of having a set like type I'm looking for constantly mm-hmm. because I think number one, if you kind of fall into that niche market, it's hard for you to ever expand and be known to have a well-rounded roster. Um, that's why truly I'll, I'll meet with anyone. That's what I love. I love meeting with people and I love seeing what we can do together. But the main thing that I look for when signing a client, um, I want to know you're passionate about what you do for the right reasons. I've taken so many meetings where I've asked an actor or prospective client, like, what do you want? What do you want to do with this career? And they say, well, I just want my Oscar. I just want my Emmy. And in my mind, if you're in this industry just for the accolades and the fame, there are thousands of other actors out there who are in this because they want to make a living. This is what they're this is what their insides tell them. I have to do this. This is what makes me happy. This is what makes me feel fulfilled. And honestly, if fulfillment comes from achievements and accolades, maybe we invest in some personal therapy <laughs> to figure out where the root of that comes from. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think that exists anyway. I don't think even the people that say that they want these accolades and results, I think if they got there ever they would still feel the exact same. There's that lack of fulfillment. Right. A, yeah. a, I don't even know, a 10-inch statue of a little gold naked man is not going to fulfill anyone. Sure, it's pretty on a shelf, but... Yeah. Who yeah it's, like, it? it's a momentary high, you know? It's like a very... Mo- like, you, you enjoy it for a day, a couple days yeah. maybe, and then it's over, you know? I have been very fortunate enough to go, like, to homes of, like, some... Emmy winners and like Golden Globes winners. And while I'm at the home, like you, you kind of see where the awards are. And I've never seen them like in a box prominently displayed. I went to one um, actress's home. She's a very well-known actress in the sixties. She won multiple Grammys, not Grammys. I'm sorry, sorry, Emmys. And they were literally like off on a windowsill in the corner gathering dust and when I asked her about them, she's like, I forgot I even like had those. And she is so happy in this industry. Those awards, those statues mean nothing. It's so true. I, I had a similar experience where a friend of mine had won a couple Emmys and, um, and they were just like on his bookshelf between his books and stuff. And I, I thought they were fake because it was so un, unhighlighted. I'm like, oh, look, you got a couple, you know, little Emmy statues there. He's like, yeah, I won an Emmy for this show. I was like, I was like, ha, 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 only to realize later he actually won an actual Emmy, but I thought he just had it there as props or something. I can't remember who the actor or actress is, but I remember reading this ages ago, and it just always stuck with me. It was a multiple Oscar-winning actor or actress. I, I want to say it was Betty Davis, but I'm, uh, I know if I say it's Betty Davis, I'm like someone's going to have an issue with that because it's not her but they used one of their Oscars to prop open their like bathroom door. Like that's how much it like. Yeah. It probably wasn't Betty Davis, but I don't know why that's the name sticking in my head. 
with this hour, it's going to be Betty Davis. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like the biggest thing is just like in anything, especially, but especially in acting with it, how many ups and downs that it has, and even a successful career has so many ups and downs, is that you have to fall in love with the whole process of it. If you're just goal-oriented, like in anything, you know, even as an agent, as a manager, if you're super goal-oriented, like I need to get to X and then I'll enjoy it or then I'll be happy, I don't think you ever get there. If you formulate your life, you are going to be more disappointed when it takes those like left turns. Like if you plan it out to a T and it doesn't reach that goal, you're going to think something's wrong and then you're going to panic. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. But um going back to what I what I look for in actors and signing I cuz um, the passion is a very big thing. The second big thing for me and forgive my language but please don't be an asshole if we work together. <laughs> yeah. I have seen too many reps they have these wonderful successful clients or they have these clients they've worked with for years. And they just scream at them all day on the phone. And I was an assistant for a management company and an agency. And I would get screamed at after not knowing these people. And like, from an outside perspective, seeing nothing wrong except an ego being hurt. And if you're too focused on making sure someone is punished for something that inconvenienced you, that's not someone I want to work with. Yeah, definitely not. And that's not, and I can tell, like, I don't think that's a statement that's out of the ordinary. I think that's how everyone feels. They Mm -hmm. don't want to get yelled at by someone who they're vouching for, they're vying for, who they're trying to create a successful partnership. Yep, exactly. There you go. Key word there too, partnership. Partnership. Yeah. I think that's the that's the biggest thing. I think sometimes one party or the other feels like they're working for them or you're working for like whatever. It's like a whole power dynamic where it's really a partnership and you're both trying to get to the same goal. And that's yeah. how it should be approached. Well, I also like the kind of no asshole policy. I know Greg's always had a major no asshole policy. It was many, many years ago. I won't name the actor, but it was an actor who had done like 17 episodes in a show at the time was Greg's biggest client. And the guy just had an attitude, you know, he would turn down auditions for no apparent reason, even though they were a correct fit. He was got auditions in late, just had a lot of attitude. Wouldn't communicate. Bad communication, like, I remember you yeah. telling me, and, and, and you dropped him at the time, and he was your number one client. At the time, yeah. Um, at the time, you and, and because the guy was just a total, like, just a jerk about it all. Just unpleasant, you know, and you don't, just, I, don't, I don't think you want to work with people that you just hate talking to. Yeah. No. It's like common sense, but it's not. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, Sorry, go ahead, Zach. No, I was just going to say, it was interesting you bring up just the topic of dropping clients. Because I think that's another thing, like, that's a huge stigma in reps. That we just go around dropping people 24-7. Where, Greg, you're a rep as well, and I'm sure we agree on this. Dropping clients is, like, the worst feeling in a rep. It's honestly, like breaking up with someone which is yeah i don't think anyone enjoys that i think there's no. this like they, they think people enjoy this it's 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 like the worst thing it's yeah. like so like unpleasant it feels like a breakup and you're just like you know that's why you also don't want to take on people too quickly like i haven't dropped anyone in a very long time at this point 
And it's, it's because you want to be careful who you take on, you know, because you do want, especially as a manager now, you're a manager now too, especially as a manager now, like these are long-term, in my eyes, relationships where you're a lot of times taking someone from the start with maybe no credits or a couple co-stars and you're taking them to a series reg or wherever they're trying to go. So like, it could be a whole career thing. That's at least how I go into the relationships. And I, I think that's the smart thing to do is to go in like, expecting to do the long haul because if you're going in just to like make a quick buck it is going to end in disaster for both parties yeah yeah Yeah, i mean the policy i have now too is like with my other managers that that work in my company now is like if you're not excited about and you're like questioning it and you're all questioning it then don't take the person yeah. Because if you're just questioning, you're like, mm, what do you think? Yeah, he's kind of got a good look, maybe. But if everyone's a maybe, then it's a no. Yeah. Because you know, either, either one comes- person really vouches for it and really believes. I, don't, I also don't think everyone has to agree. No, it, I agree with that know, as well. Yeah, you don't know. Not No one knows what the magic formula is. That's just a fact. You yeah. know, they can pretend you do, but you don't. So, like, if it's, you got three people in a company, I'm talking about my company now, you got three people, and one person vouches for that person and really believes in it. Then you take that person, even if the other two people are like, mm, you know. Because in all honesty, it's not a huge risk for a rep to take on someone. No. It's not. All you have to do is dedicate the time and the work together. And it, it is our job to create that bond. I wouldn't say create, to, to strengthen the bond. Yeah. Because the bond should naturally be there. I'm walking back on my own statements now. <laughs> what are some of your goals that you still want to achieve now being a, a manager on or just in general in the well, business? well let's talk uh, before you get into that question let's segue into that a little bit because i actually want to see like why uh, you're a manager now and is that was that a conscious choice that you want to get into management more than an agency and what's kind of the big differences that you've noticed i know it's been a short while but you no. know the reason why I thought management would be a better click for me is I am very, 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 very invested in the actor. I had spent roughly two years doing the whole song and dance between studio production actor and just like going back and forth and just being focused on money. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I learned a lot while doing that. However, I would always like, I would never get to be on the call with the actor to figure out what happened. That was always the manager's job was to figure out what happened in the actor's eyes that created the success or where they want to be. And to me, that was where I wanted to be. I wanted to be on the front line with the actor because to me, that is more of the personal relationship I strive for. And mm-hmm. I don't, you're probably going to have to like talk to my therapist on why I enjoy that more than anything else. Probably some screwed up reason from when I was a five-year-old, but mm-hmm. I love that personal connection with the actor. And I just didn't get to do it as much as an agent. And I think mm-hmm. towards the end of my like two years, that really started to click. Like what I love to do wasn't my priority. My priority yeah. as the agent was getting the appointment, making the deal. 
getting the appointment, making the deal and trying to make everyone happy. Like, which is draining when you are trying to appease the manager, the client, the casting director and production that all falls on your shoulder as the agent. It is, it takes a very, very strong will and almost a disconnect from the personal aspect at times where Mm -hmm. you're literally focusing on compromising, 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 compromising. Um, And then at some points you have to be an absolute dick. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Again, forgive my language, Mm -hmm. but you have to like stick, you have to root and you just have to plant and go, I'm not moving on this. I am not moving on this. And then it just becomes almost like a trial by combat between everyone. <laughs> yeah. So like what I'm hearing from you, like is, is that you just, you enjoyed more the closeness to the actor and you're more of a proponent for the actor. And it's, and it's a little bit more like, not that there's sides, but yeah. you're more the, the part of the actor's team instead of maybe more of the middleman between all these entities. Yes. I have always had a more sympathetic nature towards the actors. Mm -hmm. And I feel as a manager, that strength shines a little more. Um, I like to vouch. I like to vie. I loved loved being an agent, but I knew later on down the line. Because, you know, it's my goal one day to, like, have a family, raise kids, do all that. And one day it just hit me because I had literally been dealing with business affairs for three days straight. And my old roommate at the time was afraid to come near me because I was so like stressed and anxious and just like, I got home late and I just like, I didn't want to talk to anyone. And that is that is a struggle a lot of agents go through and it's it's very hard because you are putting all of this on your shoulders to make everyone happy so that's why i will always always look up to what agents do but i think personally for me that is not what i would like to do anymore yeah i Um, I hear you i mean that's why i prefer management uh, and i've always done that because i just I, I think because it's it's also just it's in a way more simple. Yeah, like it's still hard, but it's it's more simple in terms of you're the you're on the same team as the actor, and that's the number one priority. Yeah, everything else comes second after that. I do a lot of, and here's another stigma, mm-hmm. and a lot of term a, a term I really hate is kitchen manager, and I know that kind of gets thrown around a lot in the industry. And it kind of invalidates what the manager does. And what, what's a kitchen manager? So my understanding of what a kitchen manager does is they just sit at home. They don't have an office, but they have a few clients that book all the time. And they just sit back from their kitchen and let everyone else do the work. Yeah, I've never heard that term. It's the first really? time I hear it. Well, I did. Okay. I, it's probably an older term, but I heard it a lot from like where I was on like my side of the agency and everything. 
it's probably an antiquated term, but I'd hear that all the time. And it would always just kind of rub me the wrong way because I'm like, the manager is doing the things you don't want to do right now. Like, and that's, that's kind of what, again, a good partnership is. Someone takes the work that you can't or don't want to do. Someone has to do it. And oftentimes the manager kind of draws the short end of the stick when it comes to that. Because I've seen it from multiple agencies. When someone doesn't book a job, the agent or the agent assistant will call the manager and the manager has to deliver that job, to the, that news to the client. They right. have to be the ones to be emotionally ready to deliver that bad news. Yeah. Then on the other side, they are also the ones who deliver the good news. Because if you're telling the manager to do all the bad news, you don't get to just do the good news whenever you want. Yeah, and exactly. I think that's a successful partnership between yeah, an agent and a manager. Almost like managers, almost like pseudo life coaches, therapists, business coaches for the actor. I was explaining to my parents the difference between a manager and an agent. And I said, a manager is very much an unlicensed psychiatrist. Yeah. Like, they are, they are there when you're at your lows. They're there when you have your highs. And they help you make sense of it. Yeah, that, that, that's what's nice about it. You know, I feel like it is. You, you do play part-time therapist, which I kind of enjoy. But that's also because I love psychology. I mean, I, just like you, I've been in therapy now for couple years at least but like I, I i think therapy and psychology and all that's super interesting so for me this just feels like more of a natural fit yeah and i think it's also very valuable for a lot of actors to have someone in their corner that's like one loyal two in it for the long haul through your ebbs and flows through the two years that all of a sudden you don't work yeah after off a series regular or something like that um yeah i think i think that's key what you say there is that it's for the long haul i think normally if you have a good manager as an actor then he's looking at your total career for the long term whereas sometimes other people not even agent because I, it could be an agent but like it could be someone else could be a studio whatever they're looking at just like how do we make money now exactly you know what i mean again like we said earlier if you're in for that quick buck it's not going to work out yeah right. no. so what do you still uh to kind of come back into this, what do you still have for goals? Like, where do you see yourself still down the road? Where do I see myself? Well, I see myself surviving Corona. Yes. Um, making it through the pandemic. Being smart, which a lot of people just don't seem to want to do during this time. No. But long-term goals. I would love, love to be with someone i want to be with someone's success story i want to be with them from the creation and be with them throughout the entire thing i want that longevity yeah. i want to be able to like you know one day when i get married i want to say like my clients came to my wedding and you know what we had a good time i wasn't we're friends we work together as soon as i say friends though it's sometimes it's hard to establish friendships with your clients because the nature of the beast is there is going to be someone is going to leave you are never going to keep your entire roster the entire way through and like even me transitioning over into management i had to let go of a lot of clients that i had worked with from day one yeah and that's like our mutual friend we have to get like i don't get to work for him anymore that's 
it's very hard. It, it, that is hard. And like, so it's like catch 22, you know, like, because me as manager as well, I'm very close friends with a lot of my clients. I mean, you've probably seen a couple of them on my Instagram. Like there's, there's four or five of them that are honestly my best friends. Like they were at my brother's wedding. One, one officiated my brother's wedding. They went, we all went to Greece together. And these are like some of my best friends, you know? So I, it's, it's for sure can be tough in that way sometimes because you also have to be able to kind of switch between roles and be like, Hey, yeah. like now you got to like, tell them like, Hey, this is what we need to yeah. do type of thing. They, and it's funny because the entertainment industry is the only industry where it's almost okay to get into business with your friends. Even though like <laughs> the general business school rule is do not yeah. get into business with friends or family. Do yeah, not yeah. do that. And then the entertainment industry, they just threw that to the wind and they're like, Hey, this is my best friend. He's an actor. I rep him. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's basically me. <laughs> I was about to say, as you rep your brother. <laughs> as I rep my brother and like two or three of my best oh, friends. That's <laughs> going to be an awkward drop call one day. <laughs> when he drops me. Yeah, I'm going with this manager. His name's Zach Galaney. Like, <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're not brothers people. anymore. <laughs> we're enemies. <laughs> No, honestly, but I will say about that, it's it's funny that you mentioned that. I, I have a best friend, a mutual best friend, but he's one of my best friends too. And we've been working together, I guess now a total of five years, but we did have a year where he left for a year and we had that breakup conversation. You know what I mean? And it was honestly, like in the moment it sucked, you know, it's not a pleasant thing. And it's just like, ugh, you know, but like honestly, pretty soon after we were fine, friends wise. You know what yeah. I mean? Like. I think as long as you can kind of separate it and realize like part of it's still business and friendship, it doesn't like it overlaps a little bit, but not completely. Yeah. I think it's okay to overlap a little bit. I think it's also stupid when people say like, Oh, it's not personal. It's business. That's bullshit too. Yeah. It's also <laughs> personal. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, you got to be able to like, like have it overlap a little bit, but still be okay with like, Hey, decisions here don't necessarily always have everything to do with the friendship. Yeah. yeah and to expand you on know? that when people say, Oh, it's just business. Oh, I cringe when I hear that that phrase. That's usually it's usually an excuse to be a dick. Yes, it is. Business, like it's never ever just business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every now and then, for some numbers, maybe that could happen. But for the most yeah. part, like in partnerships and stuff, yeah, that's one of those lines that, like, <laughs> the the phrase "it's just business." It's kind of the same as like when you say "no offense." That doesn't give you the right to be a dick. <laughs> like, well, I don't want to be mean, but, but I'm about to. Be but I'm about to be me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so one more question for you, and this can, is just to have an open-ended one. What's something that you would give as advice to, to actors, like either right now with Corona going on, like kind of what, what can they do? Because also you talk to a lot of your actors too. Like a lot of people have a lot of anxiety right now. Yeah. You know, it's like, and um, honestly, I feel it. You probably feel it too. It's just like, uh, when is things going to get started? So yeah. much uncertainty, no. you know? Um, don't take up knitting. Stay away from my yeast. Um, <laughs> no. Um, so I'll break it up into two parts. Like right now, coronavirus, my advice during this pandemic. Take this time to finesse the things that usually come across as busy work like mm -hmm. um, honing those resumes, mm -hmm. take a virtual 
class online. Do something where you are still tweaking your craft. Yeah. Don't just sit and worry about if you're ever going to work again. Because that is just a spiral negativity. But in conjunction with that, take this time to pause and step away and do something new. Now, I'm not saying like, quit the industry and go become a farmer. I'm not saying that. Learn something new. Learn a skill that you want to do. Do something for yourself. And I actually got that advice from my grandmother. <laughs> and my grandma from the Midwest, she was a teacher for 37 years. She's now on the school board. And she is healthy as a horse. She's with it. She's everything. She is an amazing human. She'll never listen to this because I don't know if she knows how podcasts work. But <laughs> she called me one day and she just wanted to know how I was. And she said, Zach, take this time and pause and think about yourself. Because she knows that what I do, a lot of my job depends on me caring and working for other people. And she said, that's great. Keep that in yourself, but also do something for yourself. And I think that has helped me a lot during this. Um, now, advice I would give on working with reps. Be yourself. Don't be the person you think your rep wants you to be. Your individual quirks, your individual skills are what make you, you. And this industry thrives on the uniqueness of people. I think of Robin Williams. He got his first role on, I, I can't, Happy Days. By going in and playing an alien and being the only person to go in there and do the audition standing on his head because he thought that's what an alien would do. He made it himself. He oh. stayed true to who he was up until his tragic passing. Yep. It's actors like that who stay to themselves and don't kind of fit to the conform or the types that number one, have successful relationships and careers in the industry and they have longevity in the industry and they're happier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Stay, stay true to who you actually are. Quirks and all, you know, yeah. everything. Warts and all. Yeah. Warts and well, all. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on, Zach. We appreciate you coming on, sharing a lot of tips and uh, we'll share a bunch of your links, uh, your Instagram or anything that you want shared. Oh, please. So people can watch my baking and my... <laughs> yeah, well, now, now people are going to be interested in the knitting, you know? So like, you got to make some videos now. I'm Maybe, uh, no, no, it's just me getting angry and throwing it across the room <laughs> half the time. Like I started to make a scarf and it looks like a table runner. So maybe that's just what I make at the end of it. Um, it's yeah, but no, thank you very much for having me this was a great you know what it it was an excuse to put on a shirt and pants today so that's that's the main goal today that happened that's a good goal to have i mean i'm wearing yeah. shorts but you know <laughs> that's tuesday <laughs> no but thank you and um yeah share i'm i love talking and meeting with people
That's what I'm here for. Awesome, man. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. We'll talk soon. Talk to you, Zach. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please subscribe to our podcast and stay updated on new episodes every week. Check out our show notes for our contact info and social media and hit us up with any questions you may have. 